0: It's our WWE Fastlane 2021 Preview and Prediction Show on the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. You know, I always make jokes about this pay-per-view and how I always confuse it with the other tremendous pay-per-view from World Wrestling Entertainment called Roadblock or Roadblock End of the Line with your boy Triple H. I don't know why I do that, but I love it and I'll continue to do it because uh, this is a pay-per-view before WrestleMania and uh, this will be the first pay-per-view In which uh, it's going to be under Peacock and it's the last pay-per-view before WWE will have fans in attendance for a major show. I don't know if they're going to do it after WrestleMania, but I'm just going to stick with this is the last show that they're not going to have fans in the building and I'm going to stick to it until I'm proven wrong. It's the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast, Boss Ross and the J-Man. It's that time of uh, the session. Where it's uh predictions time. We're already in March. I can't believe we are already almost three months into the year of our Lord, 2021. Seems like 2020 lasted like 17 millennium, and 2021 is already breezing through here. We've got some quick bit news before we get into preview and predictions for this splendid pay-per-view. I only say that because there's five matches, and uh, I don't know how I feel about it. So before we get too much further, J-Man, Jorge, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, buddy.
1: It's good to see you. Good to be back on the show Thursday night. I pretend like I'm a guest, but I, I'm i the co-host, and I run like everything about this. So I, I don't even know why I always say it's good to be back. Maybe I mean to say it's good to be back here on a Thursday night lovely skies behind me or in front of me um daylight savings is over for our pals in california and the midwest and the east coast so mm. thankfully arizona doesn't have to go through daylight savings which is probably one of the better things of our glorious state
0: and um, yet uh and yet we're going to be well we already have creeped into the high 80s again i am not looking forward to 90s hundreds and 110s yeah we, if we can the horizon, hold off on that for just a little longer Yes.
1: We could hold off on that for just a tad bit longer. I'd be fine with it. But overall, to answer your question, I'm doing great. You look beautiful. This podcast is beautiful. Let's have a beautiful evening.
0: You can find this show and every other episode of the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. You can find it as the Double Turn Podcast. I just throw in wrestling because that's what we talk about. We talk WWE. We talk AEW. We talk New Japan. We talk Impact. We talk. Uh, we talk NWA. Sometimes we talk everything. That's what we do on this show. And uh, you can find this show and every other show that we've done since SummerSlam Review Show of 2018. On one of our many platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, and the Anchor app. You can find us on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast, roboss 85 and the one and only J-Man19. I flipped up the script on you there. I know. But it was just top of mind. What can I say?
1: J-Man slaying the game. Make sure we got to hit him with J-Man slaying the game as
0: usual. Excuse me. J-Man, of course, slaying the game on our Instagram page. In case you missed it, or in case those of you that have been following us, we have a very exciting episode coming up in just a couple of weeks. Because, of course, this show is the preview and prediction show for Fastlane. Then, of course, next week we have a review show of this fine pay-per-view. And then... A TDT's classic series. That's right. We took a little bit of a hiatus from them. We did them for almost a year. We said we were going to take a break from them, do a couple other things, which we have done. But we figured it was finally time to do Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. There are three WrestleMania matches, and J-Man and I are going to have our fight about 15 and 19. That's coming up in two weeks from this episode, ladies and gentlemen. I'm looking forward to it. Plus, it's Stone Cold in The Rock. How can you hate it? I mean, Is Stone
1: Cold Week. Yes. Yes.
0: Which, uh, of course, we just passed uh, 316. So, of course, we I, uh, I cracked uh, one beer for me and one in your honor, since you don't drink. Thank you, uh, sir. So I
1: flipped off people in your honor.
0: I, uh, <laughs> I, I did crash the beers outside, so it didn't make a mess inside my uh-huh. establishment. Very very Uh, smart. (laughs) I also made sure they were cheap. Of course, I drank the good stuff later, but I made sure the cheap stuff was uh, thrown apart outside on the dirt, wasted, Mm. and uh, enjoyed some of that in honor of Stone Cold Steve Austin. That show up in two weeks. But before we get to Fastlane, we've got some very important news to discuss, which is, of course, That, uh, not that this is breaking news or anything, but uh, the WWE Hall of Fame is uh, combining the 2020 class and the 2021 class. So, which, of course, again, that was not breaking news, but a lot of us have kind of forgotten about that because this time last year, and again, not trying to rehash old memories, I'm just saying this time last year, uh, we were kind of locked down as a country. And uh, I believe at this point, the decision had not formally been made yet by World Wrestling Entertainment that WrestleMania was even going to happen, that they were moving venues, or that there were going to be no fans in the building. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but that was almost a year ago. What, of course, we ended up with was a two-night event uh, with no fans in the building. They also moved it to the Performance Center. Then they said they were going to do the L.A. show for this year then they gave tampa back their wrestlemania it was a whole ordeal because of course this nasty thing we've all been dealing with i only mention that because the hall of fame was announced way before all this happened and then everything happened and the hall of fame kind of got lost in the mix um so the 2020 class is a very brief overview uh, is Jushin Liger, the British Bulldog, John Bradshaw Layfield, the Bella Twins, and then the two headliners were Batista, Dave Batista, and the NWO with uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Sean Waltman, a.k.a. 6 um, or six, as he was known in the NWO. And then, of course, there was the news that uh, Molly Holly was going to join the 2021 class into the Hall of Fame. And uh, was it today or yesterday that they announced Easy e Eric Bischoff, is going into the WWE Hall of Fame? So just very quickly... um couple of these people probably long overdue um but the wwe hall of fame is this weird thing where it's like it's 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 very much unlike the baseball hall of fame where like somebody could not get in for like 10 years then it's like oh so they didn't get in for 10 years they weren't good enough so why are we electing them the 11th year the wwe hall of fame has their own timeline when it comes to putting people in um a lot of it is politics based um, a lot of it is just timing um, because, of course, Edge retired and I believe he went in that same year he retired. So that just he
1: kind went of in the following out. year. That's right. He yes. he retired May of 2011 and then got enshrined April 12th.
0: Yeah. So, again, a timing thing. Um, so, um, of course, the news today, as uh, Jorge is telling me, I my days have all been blended together. That's why I was just making sure it was either today or yesterday. Um a pretty impre- now I I realize we are combining two classes here. Um but it does not seem like this year there are filler candidates. What I mean by that is there have been years where I'm like okay, yeah, maybe this person should go in WWE based or yeah, this per-, you know, this group of people or whatever decides to get in. This just sounds like a celebration of just really good talent that need to be recognized uh, for for a number of reasons. So I don't want to go through everybody um, because we've got a pay-per-view to go through, but um, I said this to Jorge, and I actually think it's a great idea, and I'm actually going to use your idea and just use it through my words, if that's okay with you. Um, So... I'm of the belief that the headliner of this class is going to be the NWO. Um, you have Hulk Hogan involved um, and the NWO changed wrestling forever. So I have to believe they're the headliners. However, you do have this larger-than-life character known as Dave Batista also going in. So Jorge's idea was that Dave Batista would start the show, then you'd fill in everybody else, now knowing that eric bischoff is going in eric bischoff can get inducted into the hall of fame and then he can induct the nwo into the hall of fame because of course he was part of the nwo he was a big part of that foundation it would make sense for him to come out in whatever his outfit is and then he inducts the nwo into the hall of fame and he tears off the shirt and he's got an nwo shirt on underneath that would be perfect um and then every you know and and then eric would have already done his speech and then the main group of the nwo can do their speeches that makes perfect sense to me um so jorge i feel like i've been talking forever um just very brief thoughts on uh, eric bischoff uh not only being a thorn in the side of wwe for the better part of about 4 years Uh, but really being the only guy that really challenged Vince McMahon in this current era of wrestling when it came to really taking WWE down. And now he's part of the WWE Hall of Fame.
1: Well, I mean, it speaks for itself. In 2002, when Vince and Kennedy McMahon Made the hire of Eric Bischoff into World Wrestling Entertainment at, after he'd already put him out of business 12 16 months prior, and for him to bring in his arch, nemenis, arch nemesis, excuse me, from not only just a kayfabe standpoint, but from a real standpoint, because we all know that Eric Bischoff and I'm going to use his WWE's thing for a second before I talk about how great he was in WCW and as the executive producer of. Monday Nitro and just, you know, basically taking Ted Turner's money and make it into a full-on reality, which is immensely, immensely awesome. But for Vince McMahon to go ahead and take the guy that nearly put him out of business and bring him in, putting him on, not just as an on-air character, but then giving Bischoff some, you know, creative reign a little bit for a couple of years during the Ruthless Aggression era, because let's be honest, how many times have we said that if the Attitude Era is the best wrestling era of all time, Ruthless Aggression falls right behind it? And who was running the show in the Ruthless Aggression era? That would be Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman and Stephanie McMahon and, of course, Vince. And I'm, ta- I'm mentioning all these names from a creative standpoint in the back. And I know that there was a couple of other people involved in that, but Vince – wasn't stupid. Vince might be an a-hole, but he's not stupid. And I think he made an excellent call in bringing in Bischoff. And then you look at Bischoff's work in WCW. I mean, WCW was the hottest commodity in professional wrestling for a better part of four years. It was, it's easily, even though it's been out of, Ross, I mean, it's been out of business for 20 years. And WCW will forever be the second biggest promotion in the history of professional wrestling. It's not even close. And why? Because of the work that was done. I don't want to say single handedly, but by the majority of the work and the, by the majority of the build provided by Eric Bischoff and Ted Turner clearly had an ace up his sleeve when he brought in WCW into the, into the fold in a, in a massive basis. Right. From what was it previously before becoming the real WCW as we know it, World Championship? Uh, it was WCCW, right? Yeah, you were muted. So it was it was world WCCW, world class World-class championship wrestling. Thank you. So it was like the South wrestling, and it united with the NWA because Ric Flair was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, and then WCW bought. they came together and yeah, that was all well and good, but it wasn't until 1995 and even 1995 still kind of sucked as Ross. It was 96 where it just blew everything out of the water. And again, Eric Bischoff, Eric Bischoff single-handedly revolutionized professional wrestling in the sense he forced Vince McMahon to create the attitude era and forced Shawn Michaels and Triple H to make Degeneration generation X to fight against the NWO. And if we don't get Eric Bischoff in pro wrestling, we don't get professional wrestling in the late 90s as it was. So you can go ahead and put it all on Eric Bischoff, and the man deserves more than just a standing ovation. He's an incredible mind. Um, I mean, he, brought, he, he was brought in in – late 2019, even though his tenure wasn't very long, but the reason why he was brought in the second time around was because Vince wanted a liaison for another major network. And that's why Eric Bischoff was the executive director of SmackDown for like eight months to make sure the transition of WWE onto Fox Mm -hmm. went smoothly. And he wanted somebody that had the knowledge of how to work with another big network. Because obviously, WWE has had USA in their back pocket for years, but Fox is a completely different animal. And so he needed somebody that could do that. And because of Bischoff's work with TNT for so many years, that was the best case scenario. And I think it's worked out flawlessly. And Eric Bischoff's career is flawless. I mean, yes, has he made mistakes booking wise along the way? Sure, but so has Vince McMahon and so has everybody else. I think that Eric Bischoff is a blueprint of how you run a professional wrestling company um, in a lot of ways. So massive congratulations to Eric Bischoff. That is what I have to say about that.
0: Indeed. So I'm, of course, under the presumption that if they're going to uh, let people into WrestleMania, then I would imagine that they are going to sell a limited amount of tickets to the Hall of Fame ceremony. I would presume.
1: I'm reading something different on that, buddy. Uh, I, I read, um, and I don't mean to interrupt, I just read um, they're going to do the Thunderdome potentially for the Hall of Fame ceremony. So watch out for that. All right.
0: All right. That would be a dumb decision, if you ask me, but what do I know?
1: I, I'm just letting you know what, what, what was uh, making the, the rounds. I apologize. Woo! the Thunderdome,
0: Dome, Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I like the Thunderdome. I've come around on it, but yeah, no, if you're going to have, if, if you're going to have people WrestleMania weekend in that stadium, um, I would just have a limited amount of people just go to the hall of fame event. I'm just saying, I
1: agree. You you use, use Raymond James stadium to your fullest capacity. I would, I would agree to your fullest capabilities, excuse me, capabilities is the word that I was looking for. I'm
0: just saying. I'm just saying. All right, folks. uh, So that is our news. uh, Because we have a pay-per-view to go through. And uh, boy, howdy. (laughs) I say this every year. Every single year. And I don't care what the answer is to my complaint. Because I will basically complain every year and I don't care. I don't understand why we have to have pay-per-views between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. I don't get it. Let's do Elimination Chamber in February. Yeah. That way, whoever doesn't win the Royal Rumble, then we can use the Elimination Chamber to set up the match WrestleMania. Yeah. How about not have a gimmick pay-per-view right after a gimmick pay-per-view to set up your biggest show of the year? I'm just saying. Um, If you want to do a special show that sets up your programming, I don't think it needs to be a pay-per-view, especially since your company basically killed its own pay-per-view revenue service. I'm just saying. What is Peacock going to be like? Hey, let's do 27 pay-per-views a year. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think all they care about is the money since, you know. The network just got bought by Peacock. All I'm saying is, to me, having pay-per-views, for the most part, in between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, are useless. They're useless. Because WWE is not in the pay-per-view business anymore. They're in the network business. And they're not getting a ton of new subscribers for Fast Lane. If anything, they get people to join for WrestleMania for the free month. They get it for 30 days. And then they cancel it. Seriously, there are people that just get WrestleMania every year, use the network for 30 days while it's free because they use their 27th different email, and then they're done for a year. I'm not kidding. For those of you that watch wrestling 12 months out of the year like Jorge and I, we pay every month and some pay-per-views are just, quite frankly, a waste of time. That being said, I'm off my soapbox now. That being said, They're going to continue to do this, and there have been years where I've looked at pay-per-views like this and thought they were going to be huge wastes of time, and they actually turn out to be okay shows, or good shows. So I will go into this with an open mind, for the most part. For the most part. Now, once again, the WWE, because I thought they were only going to really piss me off a few times doing this. Oh, no. No, no. It is their business model to wait until the go-home SmackDown two days before the pay-per-view to add matches to the pay-per-view. Thanks, Fox. Thanks, WWE. Thanks, SmackDown. Because we get to preview a card that's not complete because this is the night when we record the show. So as of this moment, there are five matches on this card. Cinco. 5. Watch, there's probably going to be a, there's probably going to be a pre-show match. Probably like three other matches that I don't care about, maybe one of them involving Rosenberg winning the 24/7 title. Oh wait, that already happened. Mm, WWE. Yeah, Rosenberg. 24 7 champion. Unbelievable. Marshmallow also won the 24 7 title. Bad Bunny also won the 24 7 title. Rob Gronkowski also won the 24 7 title. And R Truth, I believe, has won it like 75 times.
1: Okay, first of all, let's get it right. Grammy award winning bad buddy was the 24 seven champion carry on
0: <laughs> excuse me i don't give titles i just go by what they're used on uh on, on WWE programming it's okay he and he and, I am he and miz are probably gonna have a program and it'll probably be one of the best things on the show because shane and miz had an incredible match at that wrestlemania and i was all ready to crap on it and i will i will be vindicated when i say that on that show shane and miz was the best thing on that show I stand by that.
1: It was one of the best things on that show. Yes. Being the best thing now. I mean, (laughs) I stand by that claim. (sighs) All right. You do that. Hey, can I ask you a question really quickly? I saw this on WWE network Instagram page. I don't Uh want to take too much of your time, but they posted. Do you remember main event Saturday night main event in 2006? The first time they brought it back that the main event was Shawn Michaels versus Shane McMahon in the street fight. Do you remember? Oh, I did. Okay. So in that match, Shane McMahon took a superplex off the ladder oh. through two tables on the outside. He did. Um, WWE, which by the way, was a fire spot. WWE has stated that that is the best superplex of all time. I wholeheartedly disagree. And I want to ask you, what is your most memorable superplex
0: ever? Are we you,
1: WWE or any or any promotion? Are you saying that one are man. you
0: saying one of the ring explosions is better?
1: Uh, The original ring explosion is the best one, yes. Brock superplexing Big Show through the ring is beyond a shot of a doubt the best superplex ever delivered.
0: Okay. Uh, I'd have to think about that because there are some good top rope suplexes. I agree. And yes, I can say definitively that uh, that ring explosion was better than the AEW Revolution explosion main event.
1: Thousand percent. (laughs) Thousand percent. By the way, Let it be known right now that the last two weeks of AEW Dynamite have been absolutely brilliant television, as have NXT. I've been posting it on my Instagram page all day. Please watch Dynamite; it was terrific last night. Watch NXT from last night; it was also terrific. We're talking fast lane, carry on, my brilliant young friend.
0: I'm. uh... I'll just put it like this: I think I am in the minority. When I say I did not like the Thunder Rosa Britt Baker match, and, I, I, say
1: and I and I and yeah. I
0: think you know why—just
1: uh, the excess of blood. Yep. Okay. I mean, it was a hardcore match, and AEW has gone on record saying that they're allowing to blade. To I, be fair, okay. But I understand it. What it was a very, it was a pretty bloody match shout out to thunder rosa and brit baker for
0: yep. not, bringing it not not j- just 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 no didn't need to see that that's at all, ever i'm not disputing the work was good i'm simply saying didn't need to see that style of match that's all I'm saying. I'm just going to leave it there because I know I'm in the vast minority of people that apparently love that match, including people who have been on this show. So that being said, and again, it's fine. We have a difference of opinion. I just know that I'm probably going to get eviscerated by people. What? How could you hate that match, Ross? Well, I just there are certain matches I don't need to see anymore. Just don't. Yes.
1: Perfectly fine, man. And I'm not okay. here to eviscerate you. I just want to make sure that the ladies got a shout out because they did, to me, did a brilliant job. And uh, I totally understand your, your point of opinion.
0: I, I, again, I'm not questioning the work, I'm questioning that style of match. That's all. Fair enough. Anyway, on to this amazing card. <laughs> okay. I don't know where to start. Okay, first of all, I'll start on a positive note. For me, I'm okay. up by one on the predictions. Thank you. I take my wave.
1: Just so you know, I definitely. I, you're, you better be glad that I'm muted because I definitely cursed at you right now.
0: <laughs> I take my. I take my wave from the car. You know, oh, royal God. style. Yeah, oh, my God. I have a. Uh, I have a one point lead. I believe by this time last year, I had quit. Because I was that bad.
1: No, Uh, no, not that. No, it was by I think WrestleMania in the Money in the Bank was when you went ahead and said I'm out.
0: Okay. So regardless, uh, last year was moot. I don't really care about last year because I care about this year because uh, me having a TikTok is on the line, and I can't afford (laughs) that to happen. I would much, I would much rather Jorge suffer through the entire calendar year of WCW Nitro 2000 (sighs) than me have a TikTok not happening that that being said i have a i have a one point lead in our predictions and there are only five matches to predict here mm-hmm. and uh you know what i am gonna start with uh please don't with a match no oh, go ahead go ahead i'm just i'm praying that you don't start with what
1: i think you're gonna start because if you do i'm here to tell you why oh, important I,
0: Oh, I know. I know what match I'm starting with because I don't ever need to see it ever unless it's done appropriately, which it's never done appropriately.
1: Okay, so then I know what you're starting with, and that's fine with me for you to start with that. Go ahead.
0: All right. The intergender match between Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton. Yes, so I'm, I'm 100% the...
1: okay with you starting. All with right. this.
0: Go ahead. I'm, I'm under the presumption that this is going to be a cinematic match should I be safe in assuming that that's probably where it's going?
1: You know, I hadn't thought about it, but to be fair, I probably agree with you. I think it probably makes the most amount of sense. It does, especially because we all know that the Fiend is
0: coming. Okay. So, regardless, um, I understand where they are going with this angle. I could have done without the Black Bile coming out of Randy Orton on raw TV. Could have done without that. Um, I, like many of you out there, have totally, for the most part, totally given up on the fiend character. Okay. And maybe it's not most of you, maybe it's only some of you, or maybe it's 50-50. But this is dead. Oh, and mind you that. Uh, Randy Orton killed the fiend killed burned him but we're supposed to forget that because he's spooky and supernatural and Alexa Bliss is under his spell so if this is a cinematic match I have no problem with it if this is a wrestling match between Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss I have a big problem with it but I don't think it's gonna be so because of that, I will say that either this is going to be a no contest or Alexa Bliss is going to win. So because that's a cop-out answer, I guess I will say Alexa Bliss is going to win because Bray Wyatt is going to do something that just totally incapacitates Randy Orton. So I guess if I'm being fair, my vote would be for a no contest, but because I'm not going to pin myself into that green spot on a roulette wheel, I'll just say Alexa Bliss wins.
1: Um, I'm going to agree with you. Well, first of all, I want to go ahead and give a shout-out to your buddy, Set is it? Set is the answer. I think you've been on this podcast on a multitude of uh, times, so shout-out to him. He's uh, He just went ahead and commented on one of our posts, so I very much appreciate that, Cedric. Um, secondly, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that the where the story is, there's been – listen, to be fair to this match and to be fair to this story, there has been some very interesting storytelling not going to say it's negative. I'm not going to say it's positive. I'm going to say it's interesting. Because anytime that The Fiend is involved, crap gets weird real quick. And I got to give credit to Randy Orton for going along with this. I mean, this guy's a legend, a household name, and he's involved in this crazy storytelling. And I'm sure that he's had to okay a lot of stuff. And he's done that. And I think that deserves a lot of commending, first of all. Second of all, I think Alexa... Bliss has proved to not just all of us as wrestling fans that she is an incredible character as a whole. But I mean, you'd have to be crazy to think that Alexa Bliss doesn't have a freaking future in Hollywood at some point with the with the way that she's been portraying this character. I, You know, I, what I'm saying is, I'm sure she could be a really, really great actress at some point in her time. And I'll look forward to her making that transition if she ever chooses to do so. That all being said, Ross, I mean, my problem with this that I've told you in the past, over the past few months is we got Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania 33. And first of all, Bray Wyatt should have absolutely won that match. And we've said that on constant,
0: constant occasions. I know. By the way, way, side note, that was the bugs match.
1: Yes. The WWE championship match at WrestleMania, which had bugs hologrammed in the ring. Correct. Um, we saw that match. We saw that feud. And the best part of that feud, and I'm not joking, was Luke Harper. May he rest in peace. One year today, he showed up on AEW television. The rest is history. And may he always rest in peace. Um, the best part of that feud was Luke Harper. And he wasn't even involved at the match at WrestleMania. Um, and then they had their weird-ass House of Horrors match at Backlash the following month. That, what, that wasn't even for the title. Um, I say all of this. We saw that, it didn't work. I don't know why we're trying to see it again. I don't know what they could do different. And I know that their cinematic matches have gotten better as they've progressed over the last year and stuff. And I'm here to commend them for all of that, but that doesn't mean that Randy and Bray are something exciting to enjoy. Um, But I'm sure that Alexa and Randy are gonna have a lot of fun with this. I'm sure that they're gonna get really creative with this. And I'm sure that it's probably gonna be a lot better what we're thinking ross remember a year ago a year ago you and i and the whole wrestling planet was ready to take a huge dump on the boneyard match between undertaker and aj styles and take a huge dump on the firefly funhouse match between john cena and bray wyatt and both of those ones both of those matches i'm here to tell you probably should have been nominated for an emmy no joke that's how great compelling television they were that being said those two are those two things were completely brilliant and it's been hard for anything around the wrestling globe to be able to top it with the exception of stadium, stadium stampede, excuse me. And even then it didn't top it. I would say stadium stampede stands on a Hill alone alongside those other two matches that I just mentioned. I'm going to Alexa bliss too. I know that was a lot of things to say there, Ross, and I apologize for taking so much time, but I think you're right. Going the cinematic route is the best way to go. I don't need to see Alexa Bliss take... I mean, I guess I could see Alexa Bliss taking an RKO. That's all, That could always be fun. Randy Orton giving RKOs to no matter what gender you are is just tremendous. And the last time a woman wrestler took a massive, massive move from a male wrestler, I marked out hard. Shout out to Baron Corbin giving an end of days to Becky Lynch. So... We'll have to see. I think cinematic match is the way to go. And I think Alexa bringing back the Fiend is also probably the most logical sense.
0: Remind me at the end, if we have time, I want to talk about two different wrestlers because you bring up a name. And it makes me think of another name of two guys that could be pushed to a specific level. If they're given the time and the effort that some of these other programs are given to. So just promise me that if we have time, if we have five minutes, if we have two minutes, I don't care. Just remind me.
1: Got yeah. it. I'm jotting it down right now.
0: Okay, excellent. Uh, so we are both picking Alexa Bliss, and we are both picking the fact that we hope this is a cinematic intergender match in which Bray Wyatt will show up, and we're going to see The Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania. Instead of uh, Randy Orton versus Edge, which I would have preferred, but that's okay. As I don't I. book the show. Also, uh, because you brought up uh, Cedric. Um, yeah, Cedric's the man. He, he's got yeah. his own thing. He writes a column. He does his own show. Uh, I have been a guest on his show several times. So big shout out to Cedric. Thank you for supporting the show. I hope to be on with uh, you and Ben again very soon uh, in some sort of capacity, bringing back the old turnbuckle gang from our Arizona state days. So just big shout out there as he commented on one of our pages. Yeah, sure. Uh, I am going next to the WWE women's tag team titles because apparently, (laughs) okay. I've said this so many times on the show. I'm just going to breeze past the diatribe. I would normally go on and just say that the WWE doesn't care about tag teams they just care about odd couple tag teams becoming champions feuding and then losing the belts that's what they do all the time and they're going to do it again here most likely
1: and by Um, the way it's not what they do best let's be very clear
0: no if they were to actually take tag team wrestling seriously um i've said on record that as much as i think the new day act is old and stale and needed to be broken up two years ago Uh, Their feud against the Usos, I said on record, I would not mind seeing them feud until the end of time. Because when it's taken seriously and when it's done well, throw in teams like the Bar and throw in some other teams like that. It can be one of the best things they do on their programming bar none. 100%. I just say these things. That being said, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler have apparently taken Reginald under their wing after uh, Carmella fired him. As uh, what's the title he had with her?
1: Come, oh my god, uh, Somalia. I'll come back to
0: Somalia. Thank you. Yes, I was going to say consigliere, but that's mob term, so it's Somalia. Exactly.
1: If I'm not mistaken, you and I are each other's consigliere. You dropped that word. Uh, on our very first episode,
0: <laughs> I did, I did. So, Sommelier, um, they're doing this weird angle where like Nia Jax is like trying to seduce him. Yes, like, this is very weird. Yes, um, I
1: actually. So, real quick, can I give a quick shout out? To, first of all, gi- shout out to Gerard from Through the Table. It's his birthday today, so shout out to him, buddy. To the oh, show, happy of birthday. course, yes. Yeah. Um, I bring this up because he on I Strong Style, which you should follow because it is a very funny meme account. Um, he posted a picture of Edge and Lita during the live sex celebration, of course. And then, but except he put the face of uh, of Reginald and Nia Jax. Nia's on Edge. Reginald is on uh, Lita. And of course, um, shout out now to Tom the Thunderous Wizard and to Hops and Box Office Flops. They did a show not too long ago about MacGruber with uh, Will Forte. And if I'm not mistaken, Ross, I think you've seen this movie, but there's a scene where I think Will Forte says, I'm going to shoot. I, I proceeded to send this picture over to Tom and use that caption. And it was very, very funny. And I probably should have posted it on our socials, but I chose not to because I wanted to be a little bit more PC than I usually would be.
0: Being said, <laughs> Nia Jackson and Shayna Baszler with Reginald at ringside, maybe providing some wine post celebration. I don't know. Should I don't you know what his you? role is other than uh actually I won't use the term I was going to use because it would probably be offensive. Let's just say he's with them. Um they are taking on Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair for the WWE Women's Tag Team Titles in the so, rematch
1: that no one asked for by the way.
0: So uh Bianca is challenging Sasha for the SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania. And uh, now they're going to tag together and uh, uh, try and win the tag team titles. So there's two schools of thought here. Either you go the John Cena, Shawn Michaels route and you have them win the titles and then they're tag team champions who are feuding over the big title for SmackDown. Or you officially have... Sasha just beat the holy hell out of Bianca Belair and be like the absolute heel in this feud I'm not saying she already isn't the feud or I should say the heel in the feud um, but maybe you need to make that a little more clear so that the fans get behind Bianca despite what you do in the match at Wrestlemania I think you need to have the fans cheering Bianca Belair in that match if you want the appropriate response to happen. I know people love Sasha. I love Sasha, but I don't think having a baby face baby face match where two people are just mutually respecting of each other. No, I'm sorry. I want story. And if the idea that Bianca is the one that's overcoming the odds that you know won the royal rumble that you know they're doing the what's the show they do on the network it's like it's like the e60 equivalent wwe 24 something like that well they did a special on bianca belair yes so they're wanting oh, untold to, stories excuse me i think it's th- un- thank you story. yeah no, thank you thank you so I said E60, but there's also 30 for 30, which, by the way, ESPN's 30 for 30. I may not like uh, ESPN a lot, but most, if not all of the 30 for 30s yeah. are very well done. You should absolutely check those out.
1: And by the way, WWE 24, which is usually like the 24 hours of uh, a big moment for somebody in a pay-per-view or something like that, is also incredibly entertaining. So yes. Untold Stories, WWE 24 – any documentary that WWE puts their hands on usually turns out to be phenomenal, so I wholeheartedly agree. I apologize for interrupting.
0: No, you're fine. They they want you to get behind Bianca Belair. It's very clear. So, for my money, they need to make her the overt babyface in this feud. So, again, I'm torn. Do you do Shawn Michaels, John Cena, part two, where you don't really have... A heel face dynamic. Of course, Shawn Michaels basically turned heel for that match and then did they lose the titles, the Raw after WrestleMania? Yeah, okay. If I'm not mistaken, they lost it in
1: a tag team battle royale.
0: Okay. There you go. So yes, they they could go that route because not every title has to be on WrestleMania. I mean, they tend to do that. I know that they always pick, you know, Vengeance or Night of Champions as the only night every title's on the line. They've had pay-per-views where every title's been on the line. WrestleMania is a great example of that. Um, so, I guess they could do something to where, you know, they don't have to defend the women's titles on that show. It would not be lost art for WrestleMania. Um, I think I'm gonna go Shayna and Nia defending the titles and having them do something at WrestleMania, because at this point, if you were going to keep the belts on them, they must have a bigger plan for them at WrestleMania, or they must have some team lined up to beat them at WrestleMania. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense to just give the titles to two people that are feuding for each other over a belt that they care much more about than the tag team titles. So I'm going to assume that Sasha either walks out on Bianca Belair or costs their team the match or they lose and Sasha beats her up after the match or something. Um, But I will confidently say Nia and Shayna are going to retain their WWE Women's Tag Team Championships.
1: So I'm torn on this one, Rossiku, and I'll tell you the reason why, buddy. Um I'm torn on so many different levels because as much as I agree with you that it would probably make the utmost sense for Bianca to be the as you say overt babyface we spent like a year and a half booing Sasha Banks out of the building with Bailey and then she finally had her triumphant babyface moment by beating Bailey for the title And then for us to go ahead and turn so quickly on Sasha because we want to go ahead and put over Bianca is just not cool. Not not even not cool with me. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do it as a fan. Um, And by the way, I'm not even a huge Sasha Banks fan. I'm I'm a relatively cool Sasha Banks fan. Like we we, you and I both know way bigger Sasha Banks fans than, than I do. You are even much bigger Sasha Banks fan than I am. But that being said, I don't even want to root for her. And that's nothing against Bianca. It really isn't, because I, would love to, I wouldn't love—I would mind seeing Bianca win. I just don't want to have to boo Sasha in the process. And I know that you're going to say, well, you don't have to boo her if you don't want to, Jorge. But from a storytelling perspective, there's no reason for me to feel that Sasha needs to be the heel in this match. She does not need to be the villain. That being said, brings me over to Shayna and Nia, where... I would love for them to take the tag team titles off of them, but then at the same time, I don't want to see the tag team titles relegated to just a main event feud where the tag team titles aren't even defended in that set set of feud, but I want to see Shayna and Nia break up so badly, and I want to see Shayna versus Asuka so badly at WrestleMania, even though we're going to probably get Asuka versus Charlotte that I don't even know what to think or how to feel about this match. Do you, do you see how my emotions are so all over the place and just so whacked out right now?
0: I I already gave my explanation about how it just like, there's, there's a multitude of ways they could do this. And you're right that, uh, you know, Sasha has this very weird way of being loved, but also playing the heel character, but still being loved, but then being an overt baby face and still, you know being what it is loved. And it's very weird. I,
1: I hate to say this because I don't want to give her that much credit, but damn it. She, this is exactly what Eddie did back in the day. And I don't want to give Sasha that much credit, but damn it. She's doing what Eddie did and she's doing it well. And I have to go ahead and commend her for that. She, she is giving me hardcore Eddie vibes in a lot of great ways. And I know that's what she wants to do because Eddie's her hero. But you and I have both stated that on television, they mention Eddie way too much when it comes to Sasha. And I don't want to go ahead and have that comparison anymore. But then she does this stuff and then she does it so well. I have no, I, I have no other thing to do but give her the credit for it. So that's, that's to Sasha's point. I'm torn. I'm, I'll agree with you. I think Shayna and Nia probably should go ahead and retain because uh, this is the reason why. Because Sasha and Bianca don't need the tag team titles for their feud. That feud already in and of itself is already major enough. Right? Or it's becoming major. The more the more time goes on, the more I get behind Sasha and Bianca potentially even main eventing a night of WrestleMania, probably Saturday night because I think Saturday so, is
0: so just to tell you. Huh. That has been rumored. I know.
1: I know. That's why I'm mentioning
0: that. However, um, however, I will tell you, hmm. definitively, I'm not okay with that decision.
1: I'll be honest with you. I don't think I am either, but I understand why people are.
0: Because, to because, be fair, go ahead. because, well, okay. I don't care how this sounds. If you're telling me the main events of your WrestleMania are not the two world titles with the people that you're having in the two world title matches, I think it's a mistake to have something else made. Now, well, Russ, if Drew McIntyre isn't winning back the title, why is he made inventing a
1: shell? Because it's Bobby Lashley who's maybe inventing the show and there's a huge difference. I,
0: I, I, Okay. If you're telling me I get to pick between Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley or Sasha and Bianca highlighting night one, I'm picking Drew and Bobby because I have to believe highlighting night two is the Roman Edge. I have to believe that. Yeah. Okay. So again, I've said this before on many occasions. So don't jump down my throat. Not you, just saying people. Okay. Mm -hmm. I thought Becky versus. Charlotte versus Ronda should not have main evented that WrestleMania. I stand by that decision and I'm not alone when I stand by that decision. That being said, that's what they wanted to do. It didn't work. And I'm not saying that there's not going to be a capability of that style of match or those type of competitors being in the main event of a show. I'm just saying if it's compelling story and it's meant to be the main event of the show, and it's not just for optics purposes, do it great if you're telling me you have in your back pocket charlotte versus tessa blanchard versus i don't care anybody else that's a big name and that's what you want main eventing a show great if it has the right story and the right elements to main event a show i'm more than happy to accept that but in this case if you're telling me the two world titles are not the main events of night one and night two. I think that's a massive mistake.
1: Uh, I understand your viewpoint, and I think you have very good points to go along with it. They – usually, Ross, you and I would state whenever something has so many different storylines – or not storylines, but so many ways to go with the story that this is a good thing – I don't view it as a good thing in this particular circumstance. And it's not the, it's not the trouble of the competitors. It's just the trouble of um, too many cooks in the kitchen, to be honest with you. Um, So I'll go Shayna and Nia, as I stated, I'll agree with you. Um, But then it's to be seen what the heck is going to happen with Shayna and Nia over the next few weeks. Like, do they defend their tag team titles at WrestleMania themselves? Or are you finally going to have them lose on television and then, Shane is going to break away from Nia and go ahead and challenge Oscar or are they going to do Charlotte versus Oscar there's so many questions and I'm not sure that there's enough time to answer them but yeah I guess I suppose the best option is to go ahead and make Sasha heel full on heel and then have Bianca be the full on babyface for that feud even though I don't want to necessarily root against Sasha Banks so it's a conundrum that I guess we'll see 100% fully filled out over the next three and a
0: half weeks. All right, I'm 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 going to do you proud, or at least I think I am. Uh, when the next match that I'm going to put up is the Intercontinental Title between yeah. between the champion Big E, or as uh, many of us will always remember him as Big E Langston. Remember that guy, Big E. Taking on Apollo Cruz, the Intercontinental title. Now I'm going to go on a very brief 30 second stance on my thoughts about Apollo Cruz.
1: All right, hold on. Let me go ahead and get the timer.
0: <laughs> no, time me. It's fine. Let me <laughs> I know when you, you start.
1: Hold up. All right, hold on for one second. We get the zero, and in three, two. One, All right, go. there were
0: two names that were coming up through NXT that I thought were going to be massive superstars at the WWE level. One of them was Baron Corbin, and the other one was Apollo Cruz for two different reasons. Baron Corbin has turned out to be one of the only actual heels in the company. Meanwhile, Apollo Cruz has been pretty much an afterthought and a joke. I don't know how I feel about this new character. I don't know how I feel about his new accent. I don't care if this is character development and they want to use him. This is the way you have to do it. I'm done. 31
1: seconds. Well done, good sir. Well done.
0: Amazing. I
1: And this is why this man is in radio.
0: I gave myself <laughs> I gave myself a half second buffer so I think I made it on time. Cuz for you editing did. purposes I I could have made that for 30 seconds. Uh, it's really is, 31
1: because I I forgot to hit the dismiss button. So that it ah, really was 30 seconds.
0: Okay. So, now I can actually dip back into what I think about this. Uh Biggie, love him. And in another sphere of influence when it comes to WWE, there was a thought process that he was actually going to wrestle Roman Reigns for the big title. I'm not kidding. Um the guy's really talented and the New Day stuff put him on a totally different level as a competitor, as a talker, and as a complete performer within World Wrestling Entertainment. And Jorge and I on this show have talked about how um, he is a guy that needs a big singles push. I even advocated that if there was going to be a breakout star to win the WWE title out of that group, I would have picked Big E long before I picked Kofi Kingston, because as usual, when I bring up his name, he's not a beta veteran That being said, that being said, Big E being in this spot is kind of where he's been for a big part of his career. He's been either a tag team champion or a mid-card champion. And that's okay because not everybody is supposed to be the world champion and not everybody gets to be the world champion. And guess what? There are plenty of guys that fill out these roles, that are great workers, that are great talkers, that are great performers, and just because they don't win the world title doesn't diminish what they are to themselves or the company they work for. I could list a handful of guys that never won world titles that I would consider upper echelon talents in the wrestling business. I'll list three of them. I'll list three of them right now. Kurt Hennig, Roddy Piper, and Scott Hall. Owen Hart. Owen Hart is a fourth. There you go. Although I think Owen Hart probably would have been a world champion, but he died tragically way too early. That being said, peace, that being said, that's four names right there. And I don't think those four names need to speak any more clearly of the fact of their legacy in wrestling and how people think of them as performers. That being said, I'm not saying Biggie Langston is on the same level as any of those four guys. What I'm saying is that him staying at this level is not a bad thing. However, if you are going to go, if you are going to purposely make Apollo Cruz a big part of your television show and change his gimmick and have him win matches, I've said this before. If you're going to push a guy, just push him. If it doesn't work, you stop pushing him. You try something else or you don't push him for a few years and you try something else. This is, this is normal, okay? So I don't think there's any other choice other than I think Apollo Crews has to win the title. And I don't think you need to save it until WrestleMania. I think you just need to put the belt on him now because they've made very clear that the United States title and the Intercontinental title, is basically unimportant unless they say it's important because the person holding it is important, a la Bobby Lashley or John Cena or insert any other person that's been deemed important. Like when the Miz won his 20... Reigns? Or when Miz won his 27th mid-card title or whatever it was because they're going to have him overtake Jericho in that department so that he's not in their record books. The point is if you're going to die... Just push him. And I'm also not a big fan of like having 12 title changes on one pay-per-view. Like I'm pretty sure AEW did a pay-per-view where every title changed hands on the same show. It was dumb. So if you're going to change the belt and you're going to go through with this feud or this character trajectory for Apollo Crews, just do it now. If it fails and you want to be done with it by money in the bank or you're really done with it by SummerSlam or hell if you're just done with it whenever at least you decided to give it a chance so for my money does Big E having the Intercontinental title really do anything for me for WrestleMania no does Apollo Crews and this new gimmick feuding with somebody at least intrigue me for WrestleMania yes I'm not saying it's the best route to go, but if you're already going to do this, you might as well stick with it. So I am picking Apollo Cruz to become the new intercontinental champion.
1: Let me tell you something, Ross, right now, I am shocked by that decision. It has shaken me to my core and I'm, g- and here we go. Rossi Pooh. No Big E is retaining the Intercontinental Championship at Fast Lane, brother. And if I swear to the good Lord in the heavens, if that makes me go two down, I'm gonna be freaking heated at all hell. That being said, Big E has been the best thing to happen to the Intercontinental Championship in like eight months. I mean that with every fiber in my being. I have loved Big E as the Intercontinental Champion for several reasons. One, because Big E is Big E, right? Big E is this charismatic bundle of joy who is a terror in the ring. A terror. A terror in a good way, by the way. Not saying he's not safe. He's on the contrary, very safe. But he's a terror. The man is like six foot four, 285 pounds. Like him and Bobby Lashley, seeing them at the Royal Rumble for the two minutes that they were in it together was just majestic, right? These two are just muscle bound freaks. Who are absolute insane athletes in the same vein as Luchasaurus and Brian Cage are in, are in all elite, Like, right? This is Vince's vision, and then they just happen to be really, really good in the ring at the same time, right, Ross? That is what Big and and on top of that, Biggie is one of the better mic workers in the game today. The New Day offered him the ability and the opportunity and the in the pedestal, really, to finally grab a mic and speak his mind. And every single time Big E opens his mouth and cuts a passionate promo, Ross, how many times has he hit it out of the park? I'm pretty sure the man is like 10 for 10. Every time, every time Big E opens his mouth, cuts a passionate promo. Look at the promos that he cut on the Usos back in 2016 and 2017. Money. The promos that he cut on the Shield, the promos that he's cut on um, Daniel Bryan while Kofi was feuding with him, with, with Kofi in 2019 were fired. Every time Biggie's on the mic, it's money. And by the way, you add in the character change and the character development and what they're doing with Apollo Crews, even though I don't agree with the accent, that's the only thing I don't agree, about, agree with. All, everything else, I agree with you 100% about Apollo Crews. Apollo Crews, what they're doing with him right now is actually refreshing. They're actually making him important. They're actually making him matter. And you take a guy who can work like all hell in Apollo Crews, and then he seems confident in the role that he's in today. That's, and that's what it, all, right, Ross? That's what it's all about. Allowing the performer to not only display their talents, but then actually have the confidence to be able to go ahead and push what they want to push out to the audience. And Apollo Crews is actually having a good time. And it seems like him and, and Big E, actually have a terrific chemistry with one another. And I'm going to be honest with you. Big E versus Apollo is one of the matches I'm looking forward to the most this Sunday. I'm just, I think it would be a detriment to the Intercontinental Championship and it would be a detriment to the momentum of Big E. And so I guess the question is, what's more important? The momentum for Big E or the momentum for Apollo Crews? Who's proved themselves the most over the last six month period? That's the question to ask yourself. To me, to Jorge, Big E is the one that you have to go ahead and push a little bit further out because he is the bigger star. He is the one that's got this bigger trajectory of 2021. Now, granted, what does that mean? Does that mean that he has to carry the Intercontinental Championship? No, maybe they do have World Championship aspirations. But I will tell you this right now, because it's not available to him just yet, I think it would be a detriment to take him away from the Intercontinental Championship because it takes away the opportunity for Big E Showing up less on television on a week to week basis. Whereas Apollo Cruz, as much as I'm enjoying where we're going with him right now, he's not Biggie to me. So it's just a matter of what does WWE want to do more, Biggie or Apollo? And I think they should go Biggie, and I'm picking
0: Biggie to retain the Sunday. That leads us into a match in which there are no stakes, there's nothing on the line. This simply match reminds me, yeah, It's simply a fight. Yeah,
1: you know what this gives me vibes of, Ross. Mm. This gives me Stone Cold Triple H No Way Out vibes, and I, and in the sense, I'm not trying to compare the two in storyline, but it's in the same vein of there were no real stakes between Stone Cold and Triple H except for the animosity and the hatred between one another. But Triple H beat him, but Stone Cold still had his title shot against The Rock at WrestleMania.
0: You know, uh, was that the two out of three falls match? Yeah, it was the three, the three, the
1: excellent, amazing, iconic three stages of hell.
0: Excuse me, three stages of hell, which then Triple H won after losing right. the first fall. He won two falls in a row, then come, it came out, cut the promo, bitched about he, how he wasn't getting the title shot. Then Undertaker came out, and then that feud started, and they wrestled at WrestleMania, correct? In a
1: very good match as well.
0: Uh, those two uh had very good chemistry in the ring together. 100%. Um, which is funny because Austin and Taker did, Taker and Triple H did, Taker and Foley did, Taker and The Rock not so much. But then
1: Rock and Triple H did, and then Rock and Foley did, and then Rock and Austin. That's not even to be discussed. So it's a it's a very interesting parallel right. of like what and what in tarnations? I don't know, but it's fine because they're all glorious.
0: So what you're saying is we should have held out for, uh, we should have held out for Taker versus Corporate Kane. I absolutely agree. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Just but, do
1: you, but but in reality, do you kind of get those vibes too with Drew and Sheamus for the Sunday?
0: Um, yes and no. And here's why. Because well, okay, I could use the easy cop-out answer which is that this is not the wrestling from 20 years ago and right. even though Triple H won that match, it didn't hurt Austin. It helped Triple H. It helped him ba- it 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 not only helped his character but it helped, you know, solidify him being Another top guy that was very interchangeable in that title picture. And because Rock Austin was the plan and deviating from that would have been a huge mistake. They decided, okay, Austin's not going to be hurt by this. So we're just going to have Triple H get another win. And then down the road, you know, Triple H is going to be even bigger than he was coming out of this. Even though he's not wrestling in the main event of the show. Which then, of course, he would main event another WrestleMania where he shouldn't have been
1: evented. Yes, absolutely. But you know what the crazy thing about that is that taker and, and triple H wasn't even that important, but they were the semi main at X seven.
0: No, trust me that that was one of the best things about that. WrestleMania yeah. between, between the promo and between all the stuff they did. No, that, that was, you know what? That was a case of the undertaker needed an opponent. Triple H didn't have yeah. anything better to do because he wasn't wrestling for the title. So give a high profile right. match against a guy that is a staple of your company. It's not gonna hurt either of them because of course that was back when Undertaker wasn't losing at WrestleMania. It just worked. Yeah. So that being so that being said, we've deviated from Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus. Um My apologies for that, I'm,
1: by the way.
0: No, no, no. It's, it's totally fine. I, I love going back, and, and people love when we go on tangents and go back in history and talk about different things. I will say this. It's a fair comparison. I just don't think it's anywhere close to the same level due to the fact that Sheamus and not on the level of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H. And by the way, that's not a slight against Drew McIntyre and Seamus because Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin are two of the most iconic wrestlers of all time. And even though Drew McIntyre and Sheamus are great, they're just, they're not Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H. Um, The other deviation that I say from that vibe being false, in my opinion, is uh, there's absolutely 0% chance that Drew McIntyre is losing this match, which is why I don't understand why I'm supposed to, really care about the fact that they're feuding and there was a no disqualification match and then there was oh uh, by the way in that no disqualification match it ended via referee stoppage do I need to go on with how with how upsetting that is a no disqualification man. match oh no that's not an excuse that is BS. No, no, I'm with you
1: 100%. It's stupid. Talking to you, Hell in a Cell 2019.
0: So, so, <laughs> so, look, I get it. I get it. There is one revision I would make to this match, it's very simple. I would care more if this was a number one contenders match. Instead, I know Drew's going to face Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. Why on God's green earth would he lose to Sheamus before WrestleMania? That makes no sense. Do we even know if Sheamus is going to be on the WrestleMania card? Is we'll he going to be wrestling Dan? Wait, wait, wait. Is he going to be wrestling Daniel Bryan?
1: <laughs> Bro, don't get me started on that. Uh- I got spots <laughs> for the main event.
0: Okay. So for those of you that... Uh, that don't know because you're not an avid wrestling fan. Daniel Bryan and Sheamus was the plan for like three different WrestleManias. <laughs> and um of course the most iconic one was uh what was it, 18 seconds? Yeah, when, WrestleMania uh,
1: 28.
0: Yes, when Sheamus yeah. booted Daniel Bryan in the face and beat him. Correct. Yeah. Which
1: is frustrating enough in the sense that the following month at Extreme Rules, they had potentially the best match on that card. And that card was insanely stacked with brilliant matches. Talking to you, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, and CM Punk, and Chris I've, Jericho. I've, and it was Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus that was the I've better one. I've said on
0: several occasions that even though I am not as big of a Sheamus fan as my compadre here, um, there are several matches in Sheamus' career that we have highlighted on TDT's Classic Series that I have spoken very fondly of. Um, in fact, I just recently rewatched that uh, that cell match. Well, not the Hell in a Cell match. It happened at Hell in a Cell with uh, him and Big Show. I rewatched that again, and uh, I still love it to this day. Um, then there was, of course, the match where he beat John Cena in a tables match for the WWE title several uh,
1: we did cover that on this several show.
0: several other matches of Sheamus' that I love um do I expect this to be a absolute knockdown dragout brawl? yes do I normally like knockdown dragout brawls? yes um, do I still want story I mean I guess there is some story involved with this um, these two do have history they do have. They do have good chemistry in the ring. I get it. I just... Do I really... Okay, I'll say this. I would much rather see this match than see Drew get a match against Bobby Lashley for the title at Fastlane. That I would prefer. But I think I would prefer, like, since since Drew lost the title to Miz and then Miz lost the title to Bobby Lashley, I mean... I would just have a number one contenders triple threat match between Sheamus, Miz, and Drew McIntyre on this show. You can have Miz take the pin. Miz can do whatever he wants with Bad Bunny at WrestleMania, and then you can set up whatever you want with Sheamus with whatever you're doing with him at WrestleMania, and then Drew gets his rematch. That would make sense to me. That being said, I don't see in any way, shape, or form any logical explanation that involves drew McIntyre losing this match and then fighting for the WWE title at WrestleMania. I'm picking drew McIntyre.
1: I'm here to tell you that they absolutely 100% made a mistake by not making this match a number one contenders match, regardless of whether or not we all know that drew McIntyre is picking up the win. It gives the match stakes. Sheamus to be fair, To be fair, in some odd way, has earned himself a number one contendership spot. Not necessarily the match against Bobby Lashley, but a a fact that, you know, whoever is running raw or whoever's making the calls in the back can say, yeah, I can see Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus as the number one for the number one contendership to Bobby Lashley. Why? Well, because there's the history of Drew and, and Sheamus over the last two months, beating the holy snot out of one another. The fact that Drew would be so crazy enough in storyline to put up his number one contendership against Sheamus because he's that confident, but at the same time, wants the match with Sheamus so freaking bad, right? Here's the other detriment to this, Ross. The fact that this is not a no-holds-barred match, the fact that this is not a last-man-stay, that there's no gimmick attached to this match. How is there no gimmick attached to this match? The story. Rights itself, Drew and Sheamus have had these wars against one another. Look at what they did against one another at, a, at the elimination chamber before Sheamus got eliminated. Look at that. You tell me whether or not the story was a great storytelling in that match. And then you go ahead and look at the match that they had on Monday Night Raw, regardless of whether or not what the finish was and its stupidity. Because yes, referee stoppage in a no disqualification match. Just beyond idiotic. My point is, why wouldn't you use the cards when the cards are laying right in front of you? This match writes itself. This story writes itself. Drew and Sheamus, number one contendership. Drew wins. He moves on to Lashley. They made the, the wrong decision making Drew versus Lashley last week that quickly. They did. There were, to me, it's the WWE title. It means something. It still holds value. It is the value. It still is the value to this day. There's a reason why there's this pomp and circumstance to Bobby Lashley holding this big gold belt right now because it's still the most prestigious title in sports entertainment today, regardless of how important the Universal title has become, regardless of how, bec- how important AEW's World Championship has become. The WWE title is still the standard in this business until it gets knocked off. It's going to be a while before it does. They had it in their back pocket. They chose not to go with it. That's fine. Whatever. Drew needs to win this match. Drew needs to win this match. And to be honest with you, Ross, this is one of those few circumstances that I'm willing to tell you I could appreciate perhaps more people being incorporated into this storyline. I know I know that sounds crazy, but if you ask me what the best route to go is, and I understand that Bad Bunny is in the mix with The Miz and John Morrison and, and, and Damian Priest. I get all of that. But just think for one second, you put Miz, you put Drew, you've got Lashley, and then for craps and giggles, you put in Sheamus. I'd be down for a fatal four-way at WrestleMania for the, for the WWE Championship. I would be. If you ask me, that would be the, bookings, the, the booking scenario that I'd go ahead and do for WrestleMania. They're not going that route, so I move on and I digress. And I go back to Drew and, May- and Sheamus, and then if you ask me, Will this be a slaughter knocker of the most epic proportions in the words of Jim Ross? you damn right. It will be. Is Drew McIntyre going to win this match? you damn right. It is. Is this match going to be probably matched tonight? It's going to be up there. I think that the main event's going to have something to, talk, to say about that. I think right now when we talk about it, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun and I mean, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus have an excellent chemistry with one another. I mean, if there's anybody who is the king of slobber knockers in this day and age in professional wrestling in WWE, Ross, that's not named Walter or Cesaro. It, it's, the, it's, the bro, it's Mr. Broad Kick himself, Mr. St. Patty's Day. So that all being said, Drew, Sheamus, slobber knocker, Drew wins. Drew goes on to WrestleMania versus Lashley. Let's go.
0: Main event time, which there's actually going to be a caveat for this on uh, this week's SmackDown, so I'm not going to count it as part of the prediction, even though it may directly impact the match right? because uh, the match hasn't happened yet, and I'm not going to predict something that uh, does not have finality for the pay-per-view. I'm not going to go that route. I mean, we can talk about it, and it can be part of your prediction, but uh, I'm not going to make it part of the predictions.
1: I agree with you 100%.
0: The Universal Championship is on the line with uh, the champion, head of the table, Mr. Roman Reigns, with Paul Heyman at ringside. He will be facing off against Daniel Bryan in in which, well, there's going to be a special guest enforcer for the match. On SmackDown today, since this episode will be dropping on Friday, mm. between Edge and Jay Uso, the winner of that match will be the special guest enforcer of the match between Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan for the WWE Universal Championship. Now. I say this because we also got news this week and I did not mention it because I wanted to save it for this moment right now. The rumor is that Jimmy Uso is supposed to be coming back very soon. He might even show up on this pay-per-view. That's how soon he may be back. Not saying it's going to happen not making a prediction it's going to happen, but the guy's been out for close to a year. And if they're saying he's going to come back, I would think he's going to come back pretty soon. So even if edge wins the match and becomes the special guest enforcer, um, there are different things involved with special guest enforcers. There have been some matches where the guest enforcer can actually call the pinfall in a match Um, There are other times where they just basically run interference from distractions or outside interference. So for the purposes of having fun, I'm going to say Edge beats Jey Uso and becomes a special guest enforcer because I think Edge is going to be made kind of not hung out to dry, but uh, given the nature of this match, Um, I think he's going to be presented as the victim going into their feud with WrestleMania because they're going to use the sympathy angle with edge like it or not. That's the angle they're going to go with. Um, so in order to do that, he kind of has to be taken advantage of with the group of people he's feuding against, which is Roman Reigns feud. Or Roman Reigns' crew, I should say. That's the feud he's in. Uh, I've said on numerous occasions that I love Daniel Bryan. And uh, I really wish that this match that's happening on this pay-per-view was actually the match for WrestleMania. Um, My original plan was going to be that Randy would beat Drew. And then Edge winning the Royal Rumble, he would face Randy and win the title. And then you could have Miz cash in on Edge and then you could either have Drew or Bobby beat Miz and become the champion and hold it till SummerSlam and go that route. That, of course, is not coming to fruition. So instead, we have Daniel Bryan who won a match and then was immediately beaten after Elimination Chamber. He essentially gets a one on one match with 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 Roman Reigns. <sighs> I think this is go- I think this is gonna be match of the night. I do. Um if if this is Daniel Bryan's shot to win the title, they're going to let him have a really solid match with Roman Reigns. They're going to make you believe that Roman Reigns is actually vulnerable against a competitor like Daniel Bryan. And I accept that because I believe that Daniel Bryan in a wrestling match can beat Roman Reigns. I can't say that about, you know, The Miz. And The Miz already beat Roman Reigns for the Intercontinental title at some point. That's not believable to me. That's nothing against The Miz. I just like having believability in some of my feuds.
1: There was, there was heavy interference in The Miz and Reigns match, but I understand well, your point.
0: I understand. What I'm saying is that, and I'm going to use a reference, and I don't care the thought process that I get from people who don't like this comparison. I don't care. Um, When Chris Benoit would beat a bigger opponent, it was believable. Because Chris Benoit was that freaking good. Okay. Um, Bret Hart was not the biggest guy. When he would face bigger and stronger opponents, it was believable when Bret Hart would beat somebody because he was that freaking good. Okay. AJ Styles is not the biggest guy in the world. But guess what? Do I think AJ Styles can beat anybody in a wrestling match? You'd damn right I do and Daniel and 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 Brian falls into that category now do I think Daniel Bryan is beating Roman Reigns a month before the biggest show of the year where we're gonna have fans back in the building after they've had this entire build-up of this character absolutely not but I've said this again if you're gonna have a match where I know what the outcome is You have to give me a suspension of disbelief into thinking there's a chance the guy that I know is going to lose has a chance of winning the match. That's the beauty of pro wrestling in a world where everything is predetermined. I still have to have that suspension of disbelief. Do I think there's going to be shenanigans? Do I think there's going to be a ref bump? Do I think there's going to be massive outside interference? Yes. Do I think Roman Reigns is going to be the chicken heel that escapes again with his title? Yes. And it's going to set up he and Edge for WrestleMania when they beat up Edge after the match and they stand over him and Roman Reigns looks down on him and goes, I have to face you in a month? You can't beat me. I'm Roman Reigns. So what? You won the Rumble. So what? You're the guest enforcer of this match. I don't care. I don't sweat you. I'm Roman Reigns. I have Paul Heyman. I have the Usos. I'm the head of the table. What do I care if anybody challenges me at WrestleMania? So I'm picking Roman Reigns to retain.
1: Okay. Let me be the first person to tell you that I a hundred percent wanted this match at WrestleMania. I picked Daniel Bryan to win the Royal Rumble. They went edge. I moved on with my life and I thought that they were going to do Daniel Bryan versus Roman reigns at WrestleMania by some type of number one contendership tournament at fast lane with Cesaro getting a one-on-one shot against Roman reigns at fast lane for just a one-off opportunity. That was my booking scenario. None of that came to light. None of it came to life. And it's very frustrating because now Rosswell is ahead by one and it pisses me the hell off. That being said, this match I'm looking forward to absolutely the most as Ross is doing some weird tongue exercises right now. <laughs> no, but in all sincerity, this is the match that I'm looking forward to the most, the most on Sunday night for a variety of reasons. One, Ross, it's been six years. It's been six years since we got Roman and DB one-on-one. The last time we got them one-on-one was their classic at Fastlane in 2015. We all know how that went down. Probably one of the best one-on-one matches of Roman Reigns' career. Absolutely just a slobber knocker beast mode of a fight. And I think that we're 100% going to get echoes of that on Sunday. Here's, here's the caveat, Ross. And you tell me how you feel about this? For the first time in a long time, the match at the pay-per-view prior to WrestleMania really, really has a lot of things that are working for it that can highly affect the WrestleMania bout that is about to succeed it. And what I mean by that, Ross, is I'm not saying Roman is going to lose. But I'm not saying Daniel Bryan is not going to be in a match with them at WrestleMania. The way that the storytelling has gone on over the past couple of weeks, the way that the promos that have been cut by Daniel Bryan have gone, if you asked me, could they put Daniel Bryan in a scenario where he faces off against Roman Reigns and Edge, I'm here to tell you I could see that happening. I could. Would I want that to happen, I'm going to be honest with you. I much prefer that than to see a one-on-one match of Roman Reigns and Edge. And that's not a detriment to Edge. That's not a detriment to Roman Reigns. I just think that that could make the match even better because, let's face it, I think that if you put Daniel Bryan, excuse me, if you put Edge and Roman Reigns in a match together in a mini event slot at WrestleMania, you'd have to be silly to actually think that Edge is going to beat Roman Reigns. You'd have to be, because Roman Reigns is on a whole different level right now. Look, he really is. You throw in Daniel Bryan into the mix, Ross. Man, woof, just stir it up, stir it up, stir it up, because you have no idea what's about to come out of that gumbo pot, man. I think edge is going to beat Jay on Friday to go ahead and be the special guest enforcer. And I think edge is going to go ahead and mess around with Daniel Bryan in an accidental fashion. But I think that edge might cost DB the victory on Sunday on accident. We just saw last week, Daniel Bryan gave a running knee to edge. You don't think that's going to go ahead and pay its dividends on Sunday. I do. I could see it. Um, I'm not, te- I'm not saying let's make this as complicated or make this as dumb as The Rock getting involved with John and Miz uh, at WrestleMania 27. I think they can do a lot better than that. And considering how important and how serious they're taking all of this, I'd be all for that, and I kind of want that to happen. So I'm picking Roman, but not because of shenanigans of Jay and Jimmy, but yeah. shenanigans from Edge on accident
0: all right so just as a quick review of the five matches that we picked Jorge and I are both picking Alexa Bliss to defeat Randy Orton in the intergender match we both think it's going to be a cinematic match Um, and if it's a no contest then I guess neither of us get a point that even though I have a feeling that it could just be that because it could just be a schmoz that sets up Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton. So um, obviously it's not going to count for us or against us. If that happens, I will not be surprised if it does. Um, We are both picking Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler to retain the WWE women's tag team titles over Sasha and Bianca. Um, Jorge has Big E retaining the intercontinental championship. I have Apollo Cruz winning the intercontinental championship. We both picked Drew McIntyre to defeat Sheamus And we both have Roman Reigns retaining the Universal Championship. Oh, just as a quick aside, because even though it doesn't count against the uh, preview, uh, who do you have winning the match on SmackDown and becoming the special guest enforcer?
1: I'm definitely going with Edge as well.
0: Okay. so That's why I
1: think he's going to go ahead and get involved and mess around with the main event.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um, So we have a few moments here. And I told myself I was going to remind myself of this. Um, because now I was about to remind you of it. Go ahead. Now that we've done the uh, preview and predictions section of Fastlane, um, we did have so there was a topic that I saw on the internet involving a WWE performer, and we had the start of a potential face turn that I totally called and absolutely needed to happen like a week or two ago, and it may be coming to fruition for AEW. So I just wanted to spend a few moments and just ask a question for my co-host. So Brian Cage in AEW appears to be on the path of turning face, which I think is a phenomenal decision. Um, One, because AEW needs credible babyfaces. Two, that stable is going nowhere with Brian Cage as the head of it. And... Uh, sign me up for Omega versus Brian Cage. Like, sign me up yesterday. Um, I I think you need to build Brian Cage as a babyface before you switch the title. So maybe Brian Cage fights his way to get a number one contenders match and he loses his first match against Omega and then gets a match later on and then beats him. I'm not even saying that's the way you do it. All I'm saying is I'm an advocate for Brian Cage turning babyface that company needs it. And if it's going to lead to him versus Omega, I'm for it. Before I give you the question, I also preface with this. There was a comment that I saw on one of many that I look at that basically called for, and these this was the exact words. These are not my words. So I just wanted to make I just want to make that clear. Quote the most consistent heel in WWE over the past two years needs a run with the WWE title or the Universal title, that being Baron Corbin. I looked at that post and went, is this person channeling my thoughts right now? <laughs> I've I've been a huge advocate of Baron Corbin being a top champion Um, I think it would probably help with fans back in the building because he that character needs to feed off of the fans hating him he also needs to ditch the crown and a bunch of other stuff but the point is that the Corbin character as a heel as a champion would totally work and I advocate for it in the near future because the guy personifies what a heel actually needs to be. That being said, here's my question to you. Which would you rather see happen first? And which do you think will happen first? Brian Cage, babyface Brian Cage, becoming the AEW world champion or heel Baron Corbin becoming a top champion in WWE?
1: It's an excellent question, Ross. If you pressed me, as long as it happened on Raw, because as long as he's anywhere near Roman Reigns' heel character, it's just not going to be believable enough. And not saying that Bobby Lashley's heel character is not believable enough. It absolutely is. But I I think Baron Corbin needs to probably happen first. Because I could make the case that as much as I'm for a Brian Brian Cage babyface turn, and I am. There's a couple of other babyfaces on on AEW television right now that I could say probably need to be AEW champion following Omega over Brian Cage. Needs to. Once, I'm still going to go the Baron Corbin route because I I, I think I've been a Baron Corbin supporter for a really long time uh his nxt run is underrated the lone wolf um, extremely underrated i don't think it gets appreciated enough and he forced himself to try and evolve to what wwe wanted him to be on the main roster and i think that he's done an incredible job doing that and even though that people hate him he's kind of wanted them to hate him and i understand that people friends of ours to the show will say it's go-away heat, but guess what? Every single time he's on the television, at least for me, he's very fun to watch, unless it's dog food, for the love of God. Oh, yeah, do obviously, not, Don't do that, obviously. but I mean, look at the King of the Ring tournament from 2019. That crowd at Madison Square Garden, Ross, were they or were they not chanting Baron Corbin against Chad Gable? And did he and Chad Gable not put on one of the best matches of 2019 for the King of the Ring final? Did they or did they not? It go? is. It 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 was
0: it was it was a great match for the position it was put in. Um, it is a travesty what they've done to Chad Gable, and with the stuff that they have had Baron Corbin do, and how he has just consistently been one of the best heels that they have had. Um, it's actually unfortunate that he has kind of become an afterthought in WWE right now, and I hope that changes. Um, I will I will end with this comment, and then we will wrap up the show. Um, to me, uh, I speak very highly of the Corporate Kane character because of how silly it is, and how much I just love it because of it. Just fit perfectly with the gimmick, and it was a nice change of pace for that character and all the way around. I just love it. That is how I feel about Applebee's server, Baron Corbin. (laughs) I'll be
1: honest with you. I'd much rather see Baron Corbin wrestle in a black button up and black pants than seeing him in a stupid ass outfit that he wears now.
0: Yes. Yes. And unfortunately, that gimmick was killed as soon as The Rock called him the Burger King guy.
1: Yeah, like and even Lynch. then, and even then, I still give credit to where credit is due. Baron Corbin opened up the very first show of SmackDown on Fox with perhaps the biggest superstar of all time, and at that moment in time, the most over thing in wrestling in Becky Lynch, so it's like, uh, it's not really a loss.
0: So, so I'll say that uh, I think Baron Corbin being a top champion is probably going to happen before Brian Cage becomes the AEW world champion let so. me ask you
1: this i'll mm-hmm. flip the script on you then and we'll end it i promise you got baron corbin and you got biggie who you taking who do you think deserves it more who do you think wwe will back more
0: who do i think deserves it more baron corbin who do i think the company's probably going to back more probably biggie actually surprised but by again but, it, but but again that goes back to And I love both of them as performers, but when you have a character that just consistently just gets actual heat, I don't know how you don't like immediately capitalize on that. I just, I just, I just don't, I just don't, but like it's, it's, it's one of those wind, like they missed their window on Dolph Ziggler. They missed it. One, because he got hurt, and two, because they were gun shy after he got hurt. But they missed their window to push Dolph Ziggler as a constant mainstay, main eventer in that company. Thank you, Jack Swagger. I think, well, again, fluke injuries happen, and you know, I understand that accidents happen. Obviously, Jack Swagger didn't mean to hurt him, um, but. I, 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 think right. they're, I think they're about to miss their window with Baron Corbin, and I think mm-hmm. that they're going to regret it a couple years from now when they could have pulled that trigger and just gone with it. So
1: Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. And to be fair, the Dolph Ziggler thing, they could have absolutely made work with the Albert, Albert, Alberto del Rio storyline summer of 2013. Absolutely, Dolph Ziggler should have eventually come out on top against Alberto del Rio. 100%. Like what they did at payback was perfect with that double turn. That was perfect. But then they just got too cute with it and didn't let Dolph get a shot and actually a real run with the World Heavyweight Championship. I agree.
0: So that is going to do it for our Fast Lane 2021 Preview and Prediction Show. Next week's show is the review. This fine pay-per-view that you can see on Peacock i going to love signing up for Peacock because the WWE Network, as we know it, will not be the same. I just thought my account was going to transfer. Apparently, I'm supposed to get an email about how to uh, how to do that. Maybe it'll be a transfer. Maybe my subscription will just go away and I have to sign up for Peacock if I want to watch WWE programming now on the network. That being said, that show is this weekend. Next week's show is The Review of lane, And then the show after that, is our TDT's Classic Series, where we talk about WrestleMania 15, WrestleMania 17, and WrestleMania 19, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and The Rock.
1: Can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Oh my God, these three matches are so good. Um, And man, we got just so many shows lined up. Cause we got WrestleMania preview week after that, Ross, we're, I mean, we're almost there. We are mania is right around the corner, it's True, you know? And then of course, WrestleMania review show, we got the thunderous wizard from hops and box office flops joining us for that review show. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, of course you've got NXT takeover stand and deliver, which is going to be crazy NXT UK just announced that they were going to have their own little mini thing going on WrestleMania week. So like WWE is going to be just full, fully loaded for WrestleMania week. It's going to be insane. AEW is doing terrific things on their television. NWA has got massive stuff going on over there. And JPW has got their cup. Uh, just Impact is doing fun things. It's just a great time to be a wrestling fan right now um i threw out a couple of ideas to ross recently about a potential open forum show um i'm getting a couple of uh, uh potential guests uh for the for the near future uh to to hop back on over with us um so it, it, it's just fun times fun times on on the double turn fun times and wrestling as a whole man just can't wait
0: so this is going to do it for this week's episode of the double turn Wrestling podcast with the J Man. I'm Boss Ross, and we will catch you on the flip side.